today I've known for over a decade, and he's a longtime minor league baseball fan, and will give us a unique look into the lives of minor leaguers and their host families. Stephen Day and his wonderful wife, Nancy, are currently the host family coordinators for the Seattle Mariners Class A affiliate, Modesto Nuts. Welcome to Bushball, Stephen. Yeah, thanks for having me, Don. I appreciate being here. You bet. You bet. You were one of the first people I thought of when I started this podcast. I said, Stephen Day will have, he will have some stories. And uh, I know you're a big fan of baseball. And so we'll just get into some questions that I have. I'm just trying to learn along the way. So um, we'll get into it. So Stephen, we've all heard about the living conditions and some minor league stops that can be, let's just say, sketchy at best. Um, you know, five guys living in a postage stamp-sized apartment, uh, some even sleeping on air mattresses. Talk about how your program solves that problem and how you got involved with the nut, how long you've been hosting, and um, and you, yours and Nancy's current positions as uh, host family coordinators. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I want to say is there are still some players who choose to live in the postage stamp apartments and sleep on the floor for whatever reason. <laughs> but I think the good thing about, uh, the thing about any host program is that it provides the players with alternatives. Um, you know, they're, they're ball players first and foremost, but, you know, they're also sometimes husbands, sometimes fiancés and boyfriends, and, uh, they're looking for something with a little bit more stability, something that, uh, provides a sense of security not only for them, but for their, the significant others, um, mm. you know, we, we, it also affords them opportunity. A lot of our host families have can from help provide transportation to and from the game. So the little things that we take for granted, you know, mm. back and forth to ball game, I think those are the big ones that that, that we provide. And there's a little bit of uh, familiarity in, in families. Most of the sure. boys come from families who made big sacrifices to get them, you know, to help them be ball players, and they're used to that family environment. So the host family is just kind of a melding of two families, you know, their biological family, and then the one that just uh, supports them and loves them, you know, throughout the baseball season. Great. Nancy so, and I, so how, you know, we, we yeah. love baseball, Don. We've been going for a long, long time, and uh, we used to go to more games than most, and we started seeing uh, familiar faces, you know, people that were at the games as much as we were, and we'd engage in conversations, and that's kind of how we found out about the host program. So we met a, a, some really good friends, Bill and Kathy, who had been hosting for quite a long time, and they told us about the program. So we signed up. Mm. Wow. So, I think that's, so, so how long have you been doing counting, it? Uh, oh, this will be this will be a, if we were gonna if we get ball players this year, and if we do, it's probably not going to be till mid June, according to uh, the GM at the Nuts. This will be our fourteenth our year of hosting and coordinating. Wow. We've been doing it for two years. So wow. we really, really enjoy it. So we have to have one so you, family who's been at it for twenty nine years. Wow. So fourteen years though, Stephen. That's yeah, that's amazing because I mean you basically could 
could have, have watched a player go from from the minors into the big leagues and retire. You've been doing it for so long. Wow. Yeah, right. That's fantastic. So I'm sure there could be some anxiety both from the players' perspective, but also the host families as well. Do you have a process for matching families with players in order to ensure a positive experience for the families and players? What do you, and what do you look for in a host family? That's a great question, Don. I think the first thing that we look for is we look for, uh, people that are community centric. You know, it doesn't Mm. have to be couples or married people. We have several, uh, singles that, that host, Mm. but they're, they're involved in, in, uh, you know, downtown Modesto Improvement District or a service organization already. So they really have mm. a you know, kind of a community focus because this is all about, you know, we want them to, you know, love Modesto. So right. that's one of the things. So and then I think the next thing that we do is we look for people that uh, um, maybe like word of mouth commitments from prior host families or current host families. You know, mm-hmm. once, once you're a host family, it's kind of like well, it's kind of like a little family, too. But several mm-hmm. of our host families have come to recommendations uh, from other host families, and that makes it a lot mm. easier for us. So Very we, uh, we, do that, we do screen, you know, um, sometimes we drive through neighborhoods. Um, sometimes yeah. it's just, yeah. uh, you know, a lot I of times really you can tell by it. it. Yeah, well, we, there's, there's, just like the major leagues, one of the reasons that they did this big, stripped down and, and some teams lost things. It wasn't just, you know, proximity and, and bus, long bus rides. It was also the condition of the facilities. So mm-hmm. I think most major league teams are really concerned about the health and welfare of their players in every regard. And so just kind of mm-hmm. a continuation of that with our host program is we want to make sure that the host families can provide, you know, adequate space, privacy, you know, mm-hmm. things like that for them. So just you want them to be able to focus on their careers. Uh, you you want to be the one mm-hmm. who's, you know, your your host son goes on to be a major league ball player. That's 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 that's, the, that's one of the goals. Right. And you know, I never really thought about it, but you're you're right. A lot of what they're going to remember about their experience in Modesto is and and the people of Modesto are going to come back to their experience with their host family and did their host family make them feel welcome and show them around and, and, you know, tend to their needs when they needed them. And so I think you're right that you're an absolute ambassador to the city of Modesto um, when you host um, players who may never have even heard of Modesto. And so I can't think of two better people than, you know, Nancy and yourself to head up that cause and to champion um, the city of Modesto. Uh, we appreciate that, Don. Thank you. We uh, love Modesto. Oh, yeah. I know you do. So you've been assigned a player or players. What happens next? Do they pay rent? Are there house rules that players are expected to follow? How does how does that work? So that's, that's, that's one of the hardest things. Is you, there is that, that level of anxiety you mentioned before. It's like, uh, you know, two total sets of strangers getting together. So once, once yeah. you pair a player, we look for things like, um, players who might have pet allergies, can't put them in a host family where there's animals. Mm-hmm. So we get past some of the, the logistic issues. And then once we get people in there, um, we really kind of leave it up to the, the host families. It's, it's their home, mm-hmm. it's their rules. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we, we always suggest before you sit down and you make any kind of an agreement 
you know, to continue that relationship that you outline what your expectations are. Some families have a long list of rules. Um, Nancy and I, we have very, very few. Mm-hmm. So it's a, right. uh, and it's, we really encourage all of our host players, uh, you know, our, our host families to, uh, to not charge rent. But we also okay. don't want hosting a player to be a financial burden on anybody because then we want sure. it to be a good experience for the host family as well. If, if they don't have a good experience, then we would lose them as a host family, a potential host family for the following season. So most of the families find a way to not charge rent. The boys just make no money at all. You know, by the time they tip out the clubby and uh, cover some of their other expenses, it's, it's I, I honestly, I don't know how they survive. I'm hoping that's one thing that will change a little bit with the restructuring. Hopefully they'll give their, hopefully they'll give their guys, our guys a little bit of a raise. So, you know, um, that yeah, I think that's one of the goals. I think one of the big rules that we try to always encourage is that we, a lot of the boyfriends have uh, a lot of a lot of them are boyfriend girlfriend relationships, and we have hosted families that were that were that were married. And we even had two years ago, we had a, a young man that was married and wanted to bring his wife and his child along. So we had to, we found a host family. We were lucky enough to find a host family that could accommodate not only the wife and the child, hmm. but the player, which was unique because if you just host a player, you get a little bit of a break, and uh, you know it's time to strip the linens and get in there and dust and clean while they're <laughs> on the road, but. When you have a wife and a child there, you don't get that break. So, um, sure. we found that for the most part, the people in Modesto are very receptive and, and, and they want to be a part of it and they recognize the uniqueness of minor league ball. And even though all you're doing is providing an, an, an empty space for them to stay in, it's a significant space to them. It means a lot to them. Hmm. That's important that they have a safe space to, to, um, if they bring along their family, they feel that their family is going to be taken care of. That's a very interesting um, scenario for sure. Um, so yeah. you're sharing your home with a professional athlete. Um, what do you see as, as the role of the host family? Well, that's a, I, you know, Nancy and I, our philosophy, and we, we encourage other people to, to follow this route as well. Not everybody is able to, but we really want to focus on being more family than hosts. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's really what the boys miss most. They miss mm-hmm. having somebody to come to their ball. I mean, some of these kids, Don, have been, had their parents in folding chairs on the sideline at Little League since they were four or five years old. Been to every mm-hmm. college game, followed around minor league ball for all across the United mm-hmm. States. And all they want is to look up in the stands and see a familiar face with a big smile mm-hmm. that's cheering for them. So we really try to encourage our host families to be more host, more family than hosts. Some, yeah. some of the players prefer not to be that, have that level of involvement. And those are the ones mm-hmm. that try to pair up with people who are, um, maybe not at home as much or mm-hmm. don't really mm-hmm. care to come out to the ballpark that often. And they have free access, maybe have mother-in-law supporters and things like that. But I think the, the, the big thing is just to provide whatever support that the player wants and to whatever level they want. Um, mm-hmm. We have a pretty good sense now when we meet the guys exactly what's going on. For example, you might have somebody who's a first or second round draft pick. And uh, while they probably got a substantial signing bonus, they're still living on $1,100 a month, you know, in their locker at the end of the month. And but they might they may not need the level of, of uh, interaction that somebody mm-hmm. who is 
you know, a seventh or eighth round pick. You know, they know that they have their agent to fall back on. Um, you know, their parents are more apt to fly in and spend the week at the hotel here with them. And they don't need that level. So, you know, the guys that we really worry about the most are the guys who are, um, living the dream. You know, the guys who are the seventh, eighth, eleventh round pick. <laughs> Unfortunately, are seen by most teams as the the, the fill the roster players. Um, they still got a good shot, but they need a little bit more help, mm-hmm. and they don't need they need right. one less distraction. So we we try to encourage the host families in, in along those lines. It'd be a family, mm-hmm. right? I like those guys. I like those those twenty third round draft, you know draft picks. They're scrappy. Yeah, yeah. But I also you know I know you, Nancy, and I and I know you. Uh, and when that kid shows up on your doorstep, you throw those big old, those big old paws around him and make him feel as, as welcome as, as anything. I think you even refer to him. What's your, what do you call him? Your host son? Is that what you? My host son. Yeah. There are, there are host, host son. Right, right. And that says it all right there. I mean, when, when a player hears something like that, they know they feel welcome. And you know what? It's, it's actually it, it, in a real profound way, it allows them to focus on what they need to do, which is play ball. When they know that, you know, they don't have to worry about fitting in or any weirdness at home or anything like that. They just have to play ball. And like you said, they're going to see you in the stands, you and Nancy in the stands, and it's going to be a source of comfort. So that's, that's just awesome. And so, um, Stephen, I know that there are a few people who love minor league baseball like you. And with the reduction, the recent reduction of 40 clubs around the country as a result of MLB restructuring um, the minor leagues, I want you to give our listeners a sense of the importance of a minor league team in a community like Modesto. Um, and and are there any concerns that uh, – were there any concerns? Because I think Modesto made the cut. But were there any concerns that Modesto might get cut? Well, just very minor concerns. Modesto is kind of in a, in a unique position because they are one of the few teams, I think one of only two in the California League, that are actually owned by the parent organization. Uh, a couple of years ago, oh, the Seattle Mariners bought 51% of the Modesto mm-hmm. Nets. And so mm. they're kind of vested and they have an agreement with the thing, but we were still worried, you know, because of profit sure. and what was going to happen if other teams in the Cal League got cut. Um, so we worried a little bit, but I, I you know, it, I think minor league baseball is huge to the local communities. And I think that's, there's a lot of good that can come out of the restructuring. And one thing that I was concerned about was, you know, some of the smaller, the ultra small market teams, you know, say like Casper, Wyoming has always had like a, a short season or a rookie ball team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they got cut. And I think mm. that's the only connection that people, yeah. communities that are, are, are more remote that they have to major league baseball. And I'm, I'm, and I worry that, you know, major league baseball is, is, that had maybe pushed a few of those communities away. Um, right. Here in Modesto, our nuts are, are, I think are just vital to our community. There's a, you know, we're a very diverse community, both ethnically and economically. It mm-hmm. provides a place for people to go that, uh, from all walks of life. And when you get there, you're just a Mets fan and you can talk right. baseball and you can you know, share, share a beer and eat a dog and some peanuts and like that. Yeah. And in addition to that, you know, the Nets themselves, they, they provide opportunities for kids to, uh, come out to the ballpark that might not otherwise have a chance through reading programs. Mm-hmm. You know, often mm-hmm. for kids to, 
to learn to read and to read more books. They have uh, they have a, a a food collection thing at the gate where people can bring food in exchange for tickets. It goes to you know local food pantries and you know first harvest. Um, they wow. have a, a community corner. So uh, local nonprofit a- agencies who work in and around Modesto, they can bring large groups of people into the ball game, and they get seats pretty much right behind home plate. And so, yeah, they're really, you know, they're, they're, the team itself is really community focused. Um, and I, I think it's just like the community just thrives on that. You know, they just kind of mm-hmm. bring it up, and they know that they're there, and, this, and that uh, that the nets are always going to be their supply. In addition to that, if the Nuts weren't there, the stadium might not be, and the stadium gets used as a venue for a, a whole lot of other things, a plethora of everything from church services to beer fest. But if you lose <laughs> your team, there, there's a lot more that can go with it. But the team itself, right, right. They, the Nets pride themselves on on being a you know community advocates and providing services for for people in and around Modesto. Hmm. Well said, my friend. Well said. Um. So, how many players have you have you host? Or let's talk about here. Let's go back. I want you to talk about a special moment as a host. Talk about a like a treasured moment you've had living with a player chasing a dream. Wow! Yeah, we have hosted so many <laughs> players, and we've had a lot of moments that we're going to treasure. And I, I I can't speak for Nancy here. But uh, mm-hmm. we had a young man who came to stay with us. He was a relief pitcher, and uh, he was from Boston. And mm-hmm. it happened to be the year of the Boston Marathon bombing. And mm-hmm. uh, anybody that knows Boston, they know that that's a, speaking of community-centric, they have their own holiday and Patriots Day there. But mm-hmm. it, really, it really shook the young man up. He was homesick. Mm-hmm. He was upset. He was worried. He was visibly, visibly shaken. And um, that part's not the treasure, but the part that was the treasure was as through that experience that he had and the support that we were able to provide, we grew so close that as he moved up, he put the effort into maintaining the relationship with us. You know, when, when kids mm. move on to double A AA or triple A, we always remember and we have all the, all the Mariners affiliates and even the Rockies affiliates still because some of our boys are still Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we follow them. We watch their stats mm-hmm. and we read all the articles about them and stuff. But, but Scott was the one who it was, he reached out and he was constantly, Hey, I got settled in my new place and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in Clinton or, you know, wherever he happened to be. And when he got called up to the bench, when he got the call, we were the second ones after his mom and dad that got called. And uh, <laughs> it was just, it was just like, I felt like I had been called up, you know, it's like, oh, my son made it to the show. And just the fact that, uh, you know, we provide, in our yeah. mind, Don, we provide so little for these boys. And it just really made me feel like maybe I provide a lot more than I remember. Uh, because even now, uh, yeah, Scott, well, I we'll guarantee call, you, know, Mary, you do. got a baby, he calls. So, yeah. I, I know yeah, that you provide more than you think you do because I know you. And when you, you, when you, when they make it, if they make it to the big leagues, you're just as proud of them and for them as, 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 you know, maybe a step down, but not much of a step down from their parents. Because I know you, when you, when you, when you, um, 
you know, when you decide that you're going to take somebody under your wing, it's, you know, they're yours. You got them. And so, and I'm yeah. sure they feel that they feel that. And that's why Scott, um, you know, continued to connect with you. It probably gave him a sense of, uh, a sense of just comfort, you know? Yeah. I, so, I sure hope so. Don, yeah. We're so proud yeah, of oh, them. Yeah. yeah. So how many players have you hosted? And, and I want you to talk about, you've got a special, special ritual that you and Nancy do. Um, when a player moves on. So tell me, first of all, tell me how many players you think you've hosted and then talk a little bit about your, your ritual that you've got going on, you and Nancy. Wow. I don't know that we've ever counted on, but if I was guessing, I'm going to say between 40 and 50. Okay. Um, some of the boys we've had from like the first day of season till the last, some of them have been here till like all-star break when typically the Nets would move players up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also hosted kids that were here like, hey, you know, hey, I got sent up from low A. I'm only going to be here until this guy's off the DL. We've had those. So we, I'm thinking about 40, but we've probably had 20 or 25 of them that have been with us throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we have had six that have got, got their call up. Wow. And uh, it's actually doesn't sound like very many, but that's, that's actually a pretty big number when you consider how many players there are in minors and how many have that opportunity. And, and really the only thing that we, in, in, that we do is, uh, in one of the rooms in the house where the boys stay, we have a kind of baseball thing, big, big surprise. You know, there's, right. uh, black and whites of like Wrigley Field and Yankee Stadium from the forties and a couple pictures of like nice. Derek and Hammer and Hank and, on yeah. one wall, there are shelves, and on those shelves, I have a baseball card for every player that we have hosted. It's kind of like, oh, wow. Huh? Kind of like a, yeah. I hate to say like a, a monument, but <laughs> it's just there so when other players come, because uh, they're a community, they'll come and they'll see people that they know, people that they played with, people they played against, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of helps them feel a little bit more at home, and maybe it gives them a little bit more confidence in the decision they made to, to come and stay with us. So we have a special shelf, like the, the top shelf, and that's what we do. We move that player's cards up to the top shelf, kind of a signify that you know they they made it to the, the top of the game. So. Wow, that's but you know what? That is a really cool reminder, and I think the players when they come in and see that, and like you said, they may recognize some of those players who who hey, I know that guy and. You know, uh, I, I remember hearing about him and, and things like that, or I saw him in the big leagues. So it, that's a really special, um, little, uh, I think piece that you can, uh, put in that room that, uh, just again is another way to make them feel at home and welcome. It also shows them this isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> you know, we've had, we've yeah. had kids yeah. just like you, you know, yeah. so, <laughs> so, uh, so do you see yourself ever slowing down or retiring from hosting, Stephen? Yeah, we we enjoy it so much, Don. I don't know that we ever will stop hosting. You know, it may get to the point where we host only like when the player that we had last year sends his buddy to us and say, hey, go stay with Stephen Nancy. We may get to that right. point. But right, right now, we, we've been going through withdrawals without minor league ball or having our house <laughs> open to players. And we, so I can't say that we'll, we'll ever stop. As long as the nuts will continue to have us, we'll continue to mm-hmm. support them in whatever way that we can. If that means they need more to continue to coordinate, we'll probably do that too. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. So I know, I happen to know that you have a bunch of grandkids out there. So I wanted to give you a chance so they could give them a shout out. So this is your chance to give them a quick shout out. Okay. All right. (laughs) Check it out, you guys. Kiana, Xavier, Edward, Kaylin, Reagan, Madeline, Zoe, and Xander. Grandpa's on the podcast. Yeah, you guys were excited for me. But I need to give a special shout out to the one I didn't mention. That would be my grandson, Michael Don. He's 13. He's already six foot six. And that boy can not only hit a baseball, he can hit it a country mile. He would be so stoked. But he will be stoked. When I tell him about the podcast and he listens, not only did I get to go on, on Bushball and be a part of your podcast, but he, he got some kudos out there too. So that's great. Oh, that's awesome. So six yeah. foot six. Yeah, he's a, he's a chip off the old yeah, can block. You believe that? Sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He told me that one time they played at a high school field and that he hit a home run was 375 feet to the fence and he had, he poked one out. 13. I'm, Michael, that's crazy. I with know. a little bit of that, you got it out there. So I don't know what you could do with the We're going to have to, we're going to have to oh. keep, keep our eye on him. And he, he, he is, yeah, what, maybe the next Aaron's Aaron's name does. again. Yeah. What's yeah. his, what's his name again? Michael, we'll keep our eye open. What's his yeah. name? Yeah. He's a great kid. Yeah, he's a good student. Yeah. He's yeah. Good, that's awesome. Really good kid. Good. So, so give us his name one more time so that we can, uh, keep our eyes open for him if you want. Yeah, his name is Michael Keela Day. And I Michael think when he plays Keela ball, Day. he likes to go by Keela because it's different right. and just unique. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye out for big strapping out. Keela Day. So I've got some quick hit yeah, questions you, for you. you. This is the living man, Tika. They're going to get a treat when he starts playing high school ball there. So Nice. Oh, that'll be exciting. Local boy. So I've got some quick hit questions for you. Um, these are just real quick, short answer, whatever comes to mind. Um, and we'll just get into it. So most famous player you've hosted. Wow, Don, I'm, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Scott okay. Oberg, our, our guy. Uh, but okay. I'm also going to add Anthony Sanders in there. Um, cause that was a different experience at the time Anthony stayed with us. He was the director of, uh, minor league player and personnel for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. And uh, his baseball card, by the way, is from the Sydney Olympics when he was on Team USA. He had like six or seven year major league career. So he provided a different experience and he was one of our favorites as well. Nice. Nice. So, so who was your favorite? Uh, goes to my next question. Your favorite player you hosted, not named Adam. <laughs> and I, and I say that <laughs> you, you can maybe <laughs> give us a little yeah, insight okay. as to who Adam yeah. might be. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I, I don't know, Nancy's might be different, but I'm gonna go, we had a young man from, uh, Dominica de Republica, and his name was Carlos <laughs> Martinez, and he was, he was my favorite. He was just, not only loved baseball, but he was full of life. He would come down the stairs every morning singing, and he just mm. made the house joyful. So, he never, he never made it to the show, but he's ah. a good, good man. Yeah. So, so now I have to, I have to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, I had to mention not named Adam because, um, Adam Jorgensen, correct? Yes. Adam Jorgensen, who's your son-in-law, also went through the system. Is that correct? That is correct. It was funny, you know, because Laura grew up in a house, our daughter, 
she grew up in a house with baseball players and she saw the way they lived and how it affected the relationship. And she swore she would never even date a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it just had to be the right one. It worked it out okay re- for everybody. So. It worked out. Yeah, Adam did yeah. Adam, Adam did catch a lot of flack from the guys in the locker room. Ooh, you're dating your sister. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, of course he did. Of course yeah, he had to yeah. catch flack. You know, yeah. and so, right. hey, well, you know what? We'll maybe have to have Adam's a minor leaguer. He meets the criteria for my podcast. Maybe I, I, I get Adam on. Oh, he would probably love it. And I bet he has, he has probably more stories to tell than me. Oh, so, that would be great. Geez. Yeah. We'll ask yeah. him and we'll get him on the show. Yeah. That'd be so, great. yeah. Weirdest moment you've ever experienced in baseball. Okay. Um, I don't know if it qualifies as a moment, but I had a really good friend who came to visit me one night and says, what do you want to do? I go, oh, we can go watch the Modesto Nets. And he goes, I've never been to a minor league ball. I said, well, you're going to love it. You never know what's going to happen. At the end of the <laughs> second inning, the Nets were behind 15 to two. <laughs> the second inning. Yeah. And then I think it was like the fifth or the sixth, the Nets scored 11 in one frame and the fourth scoreboard guys couldn't figure out how to put 11 up where only a single digit would go on the scoreboard. So it was fun to watch the thing blink from one to nothing. <laughs> and the Nets ended up winning that game, 17 to 15. And it was wow. the night. Just, just, it was just, it was amazing. I've, we've seen well, you're, so many things. Gone. I mean, weird bounces yeah. and bad calls and, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we saw one time was a, a catcher who came in to pitch in the top of an inning and uh, strike out the side, and then he came up in the bottom half and hit a home run to win the game. Got a walk off. So he got the he got the he got the win and the and the and the walk off. That was kind of an unusual it, thing too. So it doesn't get any better than that. No. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, your buddy who went to that that wild uh, that wild game with the ports. That was his first game. He'll never be the same. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll yeah. It all, he'll always be crazy like that. Well, that's, that's incredible. So, um, you know, I had a question in here that talked about promotions and, and, you know, knowing you, you're like, I don't, I don't want to, uh, really talk too much about weird promotions or anything. I, I just respect the nut too much. That's just, that's just so you, Stephen. So I'm bringing in a wild card question, and 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 this one I'm going to ask. You're you're going to have to think off the cuff here. So best day at the ballpark. Wow. Okay. So the beer is extra cold. Let's start there. Yeah. Let's start no, there. The beer is yeah. Extra cold. And you know oh, I'm I I love a good pitching duel. I really do. But mm-hmm. I want to see the game that ends like, you know, go right. ahead and run on second, bottom of the 15th, you know, then, you know, yeah. I want to see some 23rd rounder come in because that's, they're down to that guy on their roster and have him get the walk off. And I want to see, you know, I, I, I want to see that young man get to feel the joy of the moment, get mobbed by his team. That would be one of the best things. And of course, it has to be the nuts. It has to be my home team. Of course. Of so, course. Yeah. That's a great day. So what about best advice you've given a ball player? Wow. Okay. So here's the deal. We, you know, we've learned that, that it seems that, uh, if you're a, like a, a top four, fourth rounder or better pick that you get mm-hmm. a lot more innings and a lot more reps and a lot more coaching. 
and a lot of the guys come in and, and their dreams are just as big as anybody's. And so I think the best thing that one thing we learned that we tell a lot of the guys is, is you know, do what you need to do to get noticed. Don't wait for them. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to do something to make to make yourself stand out, to make somebody mm-hmm. notice your work, whether it's your ethic or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you mm-hmm. have to do something to get noticed. So I, I think you that's do. a big one. Um, this, you do. You know, know that only one out of every 25 guys that plays at the, the high A level every even gets a peak at the show. Mm. And only about one out of every 40 of them are there long enough to make mm. a career. So the odds are long and hard against all of those guys, but their dreams are just as big. So get noticed. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's very well put. Very well put. Good yeah. advice. And told my buddy Carlos Martinez, who was a uh, utility intel, I said, you need to learn to pitch. You know, the odds <laughs> mathematically of you making a team are better if you're a pitcher, you know. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's that's fantastic. So I've got an indulgent question for you. I, I know you go at almost every game. So yeah. have you ever caught a foul ball with a glove? Never one with a glove. Not one in my whole life. You like I put that in there with the glove. Yeah. Now, <laughs> never a one. Quite a few with my bare hands. I got the, had the singing <laughs> hands to prove it, but and, and the rule, the well, rule, the rule in our house is you have to catch it on the fly if you're going to keep it. If it hits the ground on a bounce, then you have to give it to a kid. Perfect. So we we give them all Perfect. to the kids anyway, but I'm that's sure you do. It should be like I'm that. sure you do. Yeah, I I I brought the glove up, Peace Park. I assumed you probably scooped up a foul ball here and there, but the glove means you came prepared. You you were on a mission to catch catch a fly ball now are you a are you a bring the glove to the ballpark guy or do you leave the glove at home you know i i was when i had my kids you know when my well mm-hmm. i obviously still have my kids but when my kids were younger and they would bring their gloves i would bring my glove too just kind of as a way to help them remember to bring theirs because everybody wanted to get the kids balls you know my days at the mm-hmm. ballpark now are a little bit more relaxing and especially now that we're coordinating i need that i need mm-hmm. that glove hand to shake hands and Mm-hmm. You know, to, to meet people and to schmooze. So, um, we go to, we, we go prepared though. You know, we got our seat cushions oh, yeah. and our blankets and we're wearing our, our, our nut gear. Yeah. And, you know, well, let me tell you something. My son, my son, you invited us to a nuts game. I, my son was probably nine years old at the time and he still has, you probably don't even remember, but you, you were able to get him a bat. It was used by a player, yeah, and he he still has that bat in his room, up just at the place of honor, right above his headboard. That's and uh, you know what I mean. And so those things that uh, you know they they last a long time, and those little memories. Sometimes we forget the impact we have on people as we as we go along. But uh, I tell you that when when he gets goes off and gets married and has his own out i can guarantee you one thing that bat's going with him <laughs> he, he's not leaving it here <laughs> but uh um, i'm so glad to hear that don that's great <laughs> so that's Stephen day everyone he's a he's a gentleman and a scholar uh he's literally a scholar just ask the students that he teaches every day in his uh trade as a uh, school teacher um, I'm sure they'll all agree that uh, Mr. Day is, is awesome and um, a joy. 
Thanks a bunch, Mr. Day, and, and please come see us again soon. I will, Don. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoy it myself. You bet. Take care. Have a good night. Stephen Day, everybody. You know, I, I just can't think of a better person to play host, uh, particularly to people who are maybe a little nervous about a new town. Uh, Stephen Day just epitomizes uh, what a host should be and the welcoming spirit that he always... Stephen Day is one of those guys that you meet him for the first time and he just welcomes you in and you instantly feel comfortable talking with him. Um, Thank you, Stephen, for your time. We're now moving on to our next segment. We are going to have our minor league player profile. We're going to pay homage to Hank Aaron. And I know that we all are kind of with heavy heart right now with the passing of Hammer and Hank Aaron. Um, I want to talk a little bit about his minor league career, as brief as it was. He did have one. Um, Interesting enough, uh, Hank Aaron began his career at the age of 18 playing in the Negro Leagues with the Indianapolis Clowns. Um, He'd been signed by the team's business manager for about $200 a month. Um, was their starting shortstop. He hit 467 in leading the Clowns uh, to a 1952 Negro League World Series championship. So in 1952, there was a small bidding war for the services of Hammer and Hank. Um, one for the New York Giants, excuse me, the New York Giants, which would have been amazing because he would have been paired with the great Willie Mays in that outfield. Um, but it was the Milwaukee Braves who won out. They offered Hammer and Hank a better deal. And so he spent his entire career with the Braves and went on to, of course, a Hall of Fame career and broke the immortal record of Babe Ruth, um, broke that home run record, which caused him a lot of stress and and challenges uh, chasing that record in the 60s and 70s. So Hank Aaron did have two minor league seasons uh, once he signed with the Braves. He first played in Euclid in the Northern League, which is a Class C league, where he hit 336 and hit nine home runs in 345 at-bats. His next season was in Jacksonville, where he played 137 games and hit 22 home runs and batted 363, and then finally got the call-up to the big club in Milwaukee. So it was a short minor league career for Hank Aaron, but it certainly was productive. What I found interesting about him was that when you look at his minor league stats and even his stats in the Negro Leagues, the one thing it didn't scream was home run hitter. And so Hank Aaron was an interesting ball player because he never hit 50 home runs. His Highest total in any one given season was 47. He was just the epitome of consistency. He consistently hit 20 and 30 home runs. So Hank Aaron, thank you for what you did for baseball. And thank you for being the quiet, confident, and dignified player that you were. And you'll be sorely missed. Hammer and Hank Aaron, everyone. We have reached the segment for our team of the week. And this week's team, I cheated a little bit. I did pit a team that was 
technically a professional team. They come from the Negro Leagues, and they um, also are known for offering Hank Aaron his first professional contract. Do you remember that $200 a month uh, contract that he got? But before that, there's evidence that the Clowns existed as early as 1930 um, in Miami, the creation of a bootlegger by the name of Johnny Pierce, who named them the Miami Giants. Um, then in 1943, the team relocated to Cincinnati, where they became the Cincinnati Clowns. They joined the Negro American League, and then, again, in 1944, relocated to Indianapolis, um, which is what we all know is Hammer and Hank Aaron's first professional team. They're interesting because their history goes beyond the integration of professional baseball. The Indianapolis Clowns um, became the Ethiopian Clowns and began barnstorming America, kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters um, of baseball. And they did this till 1989. And so... Towards the latter part of the Clowns' kind of show, it became more of a comedy baseball show, very similar to that of the Harlem Globetrotters. But what really struck me with this team is way back in 1953, they were the first professional baseball team to hire a female player. Um, and her name was Tony Stone. She played second base. And she batted 243 for the Clowns. The Clowns sold her contract to the Monarchs, and then they quickly hired two more women replacements, a pitcher by the name of Mammy Peanut Jackson, who would have a record, a pitching record, of 33-8. and eight. And she batted a respectable 262. So the Ethiopian Clowns, the Indianapolis Clowns, um, are our team of the week. Um, and again, to pay homage to Hank Aaron and uh, all he did for the game of baseball. Here's to the Indianapolis Clowns. Um. 